Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. All right. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Welcome back, everyone, to another Sunday here at Light and Life. I hope everyone was able to enjoy and grow from the Desert Heroes stories and the Desert Heroes um, experiences in the desert, because that is the pride of our faith. That is the pride of of what we struggle to aspire to, that holiness and that purity, and that we ourselves would have that heart that those wonderful Desert Fathers had. And this next couple of weeks, with the exception of next week, as you guys heard, we have a state of the church. We're going to present all of our, the direction of our church and our projects and our finances. So we pray that everyone can be there next Sunday, and then we'll continue our series the week after that. But we're going to do a three-week series on the book of Jonah. And I felt it appropriate because the church itself is preparing our spirits to start getting into the mindset of Lent. And you're going to see that all of that now, like today's gospel is do not labor for the food which perishes, meaning we're starting to say, okay, forget about the food that, that, that's going to disappear. Now we're starting to focus on, we're starting to turn our, our, our wheels towards a different direction in the church, and it's the direction of repentance. And as you guys know, in a few weeks, we're going to fast the Jonas fast. It's a three-day fast. It's a beautiful fast. It's, a, it's like a three-day, very intense fast. And, and in that, it really kind of just like sets your mind right. And I'll be honest with you, you know, as, as we talk about repentance, for most of the time, like, I think a lot of us, unless you do something very wrong and you feel like this guilt feeling or this shame feeling, chances are repentance is not a thing. And what a lot of people are doing is something very wrong is they're just confessing. You say, what, what does that mean? It's not called the sacrament of confession. It's called the sacrament of repentance and confession. The repentance part has to go with it. That I'm constantly trying to align my life with God. I remember during the pandemic thinking, you know, if God were to have taken my counsel and said, hey, I'm going to bring a pandemic to the world, okay? People are going to be dying. Many people are going to be fearing the, the sickness. People are going to be out of work. The economy is going to crash. I would say, you know what? That's going to do it. Everyone is going to repent. Once that sucker happens, everyone is going to repent. And now I want to have like a, a, a new conversation with God and say, didn't work. Like, like imagine God saying, what do you mean it didn't work? The pandemic didn't work? Like how many millions of people died and how many whatever and people that, you know, lost loved ones and people that got sick and people that were like lose their jobs and lose their businesses and lose... That didn't work. You say, no, it didn't work. Everybody's just back to normal. You're like, how long did it take? Oh, I think it ended, what, two years ago? Two years, the whole world doesn't even remember that we had a pandemic. It's crazy. And so here, this is why we're going to study the book of Jonah, because this great book that speaks about resistance, repentance, reconciling with God and being restored. You see, God wants your whole heart. God doesn't want the good enough. He doesn't want you to be good enough. 
So you and I might be sitting in these chairs and say, you know what, liturgy was nice. I prayed. I took communion. I'm ready to hear the word of God. That should be good enough, right? That should be decent. That should be fair enough, right? But the spiritual life, there is no good enough. You say, what, am I your perfectionist? No. But like God wants, we're talking about a relationship that God wants your whole heart. And so we're going to get into this. And we're going to start from Jonah chapter 1. Now, during Jonah's years as a prophet, Israel at the time stood tall among the nations, was very prosperous, had a lot of land, had a lot of money. Everything was good for the people of Israel at the time. Spiritually, not as much. They were at the time of a wicked king named Jeroboam II, who was an evil king before the Lord. But during this time, there was prosperity. And so what did prosperity do? It resulted in a very materialistic culture, a culture that everybody is just like kind of going through the motions, but very materialistic. It matters how big our house is, how fast our cars are. That's really where everybody's kind of mindset in, in that time of day was, was at. And so what was happening is, is that these people of Israel, they thrived on injustice and the poor being oppressed. And so Jonah, another book that was written at the same time of Jonah, a contemporary of Jonah, is Amos. Okay, and So he's talking about the oppression of the poor, not caring you're sleeping on beds of ivory while the poor have nowhere to sleep. And so this is kind of what the spirit of the time is to, to set the mood for you guys. But rather than direct Jonah to prophesy to his own people, we're going to read it right here, what happens. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So this type of like verbiage was used earlier when their wickedness has come up before me. You know where the last time we heard that was? Sodom and Gomorrah. So I want you to imagine the people of Nineveh. When God says their wickedness has come up before me, there were many countries that were pagan, that didn't know God, that were living in you know, sinfulness and wars. But it wasn't many countries that God said, or, or their cities, that their wickedness has come up before me. So as we're hearing this, Nineveh, these are very, very, very bad people that God is saying their wickedness has like, has reached to me. That's how bad it's become. Okay. He says, arise, go to that great city. It's a very, very big city. It takes three days to go. It is not just a, a three city, not just uh, takes three days to walk from one end to the other but it was 500 miles away. I want you to imagine for God to ask Jonah to go to a city on camel, on foot, 500 miles away to this wicked, evil, dark city. He's basically saying, hey, Jonah, you, you, chances are you may not come back. Number one, because they're bad people. Number two, because you're going to walk 500 miles you're not going to walk another 500 miles back. And so because of that, as Jonah is hearing Nineveh, Nineveh was very, very violent. They were known for their violence. Over history, they had had their 
wars and their altercations with the Jews and the Israelites. And because of that, you have to imagine that Jonah, maybe in his history, maybe his family was persecuted by the Ninevites. Maybe they were wounded. Maybe some have been murdered. So when God is telling Jonah, I want you to serve the Ninevites, he's saying, you want me to serve who? But Israel is perfect right now. Israel is full of prosperity. Like he's the prophet in a time when the, the, the people of God are doing well. Everybody has lands. Everybody's happy. Everything is going well. Why would you want me to go to Nineveh? This is perfect. The place that I am right here. Why is it this enough? I don't want to go to Nineveh. And then let's continue reading. It says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. All right. You see, like I said, Jonah is enjoying this role. I want you guys to look at this map. He's in Joppa. Okay. Nineveh is 550 miles away. Tarshish is... 2,500 miles away. So if Nineveh was a crazy idea, Tarshish is like, he's like, basically, I'm going to go to Mars. I'm going to go to Mars. I'll go to Jupiter. I'll go to some other planet. Anywhere except for Nineveh. He went 2,500 miles the opposite direction. So you see Nineveh is in the northeast. He got into a boat and went the complete opposite direction, 2,500 miles. Jonah, that much? Really that much? You don't want to obey God? You don't want to fulfill what God's desire is to, to use you? You see, Jonah, he arose to flee from the will of God. He arose to flee from the will. When you are outside the will of God, you are outside the scope of God's blessing. But he's thinking, no, 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 I'm fine. Serving the Jews, serving in Israel, serving my people. That's all God's blessings that I want. I want you guys to understand something. If God calls you to a place that is hard, and God calls you to a place that you don't want, it's because that is going to be the place that he's going to bless you. That's going to be the place that you're going to interact with him and experience him. Outside of that, outside of that place that God has called you, is outside the will of God. I want you to take a second. And I want you to think, if you are, by any chance, resisting the will of God, God has asked something of you to do. You know it. Like you, you hear it in here. You hear God is saying, I want you to do this for me. You're saying, God, you're asking for too much. I've given you the most I could possibly give. I'm doing everything I can. This is good enough. It's, it's, it's a lot. I'm serving you. I'm glorifying you. I'm a prophet of the Lord. Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. He's saying, no, no, no. I want Nineveh too. Like, who cares about Nineveh? Nineveh, those people are like, Israel, these are your people. You see, Jonah went outside of the will of God. I want to ask, him, I want to ask you guys, what are the times that you feel like maybe you are fleeing from the presence of the Lord? What are the ways that you are fleeing from the presence of the Lord? I know 
You think, can I possibly leave the presence of the Lord? You can't shut him out of your own will. That's leaving the presence of God by saying, you're not able, able to go out of his sight because he's God. But you are able to kind of just stay outside of his will and say, this is where I want to be. I'm telling you, there is no blessing outside the will of God. You're like, but the will of God is a hard thing. He's saying, I know. That's where I'm going to bless you. You know, one time in the life of Abraham, God told Abraham, go to a place that I will show you. And I will bless you and you will have uh, children as the sand of the seashore and stars of the sky. And you're going to be all these, your name will be great. And anybody who blesses you, will be great promises. God leads Abraham on a journey, gets to a place, okay? And it's a place of famine. And Abraham looks around. God says, all right, there it is. Where, where is it? Like, this is a famine. There's no food here. I have cattle, I have cows, I have fa- like, like I have family, like wh- where do we go? God says, no, you put your altar here and I'm going to bless you. But it's a famine. To make a long story short, Abraham went down to Egypt. He got into some trouble. He told Pharaoh that his wife was his sister. The Pharaoh took his wife, Sarah, to be his own, to be the Pharaoh's wife. And then God intervened, told Pharaoh, don't do that. You're going to be in trouble. Gave him back to Abraham. The next part of the story is beautiful. Abraham went back to the place of famine. And it says, and Abraham was very rich. And he became very rich. You're like, how? But that's a place of famine. He didn't say there's going to be no famine. He said, I'm going to bless you. There might be famine all around you. There might be difficulty all around you, but I'm going to bless you. We think of like great servants or missionaries who go to hard places. And they go to a place that is maybe scary. You say like, it's dangerous. What if they kill me? What if they kidnap me? What if they... God is saying, look, you go wherever I call you to go, and I'm going to bless you. And there are Christian nations that are Christian because missionaries have gone to places that they shouldn't be going to because it's dangerous. And God had blessed them. There are over a hundred million underground Christians in China. One hundred million. Like when you think of Christians, you don't think of them in China. But there's over a hundred million underground Christians. Somebody went to a hard place. Somebody did not flee from the presence of the Lord. Now I want you to think, now we're talking about like missionaries and this stuff, but I want you to think, What is some place in your heart that God has been asking you to go? You see, he's running from the will of God. It doesn't make sense. How many times do you feel like God is telling you to do something and it just doesn't make sense? I want you to go and I want you to befriend this person. You're like, of all the people, that person, I have like hard feelings in my heart towards that person. You want me to go to that person? Like, anyone else? All these lovely people. You want me to go to that person? Yeah, that's the person that if you meet them, and you connect with them, and you bring light to their life, you're going to do something amazing. You're going to do something amazing. Are you running from the will of God in your life? He's telling you to let go of something. He's telling you to leave Israel, that territory that seems just right and just perfect, 
And he's saying, I want you just to go to Nineveh. No, 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 God. You don't know what you want. So what is Nineveh that God wants you to cry out against? If you are to be Jonah, if God wants to use you and to direct you to his plan, what is the Nineveh that God wants you to go and cry out against? Does that God want you to go to your neighbors and tell them that they're heathens and that they need to repent? Does he want you to tell your co-workers that these people are you're going to go to hell if you don't you know, like turn away, you're, you're, you turn back to God? Is that the Nineveh that God is telling you to go to? Maybe, maybe. Chances are not much. The Nineveh that God is trying to tell you to cry out against is the one in here. The part inside of you that is not right with God. God's saying, I love everything about you, Bonapol. But this Nineveh right here, I want you to cry out against it. No, 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 Lord. Just leave it the way it is. You have the rest of my heart. You have the rest of my life. You have all this. I serve you, my family, all this stuff. He says, no, but this one part, I want you to cry out against it. You see, God wants all of you. God wants all of you. And so you're going and you're deceiving yourself maybe. Oh yeah, I gave to the poor. I, I go to church. I serve. Okay, you're doing a great job. Now Nineveh, you know that Nineveh place that's dark and ugly inside of you? Go cry out against it. That place is not in my will. And you're saying, no, 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 Lord, anything but that place. Not that place. And you're walking around and you're, la, 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 I can't hear him. I can't hear him. I don't want to hear him. God is saying, there's something inside of you. There's a Nineveh. You're like, Nineveh? That's a pretty bad description of this part inside of my heart that you want to destroy or that you want to bring back to you. I'm not doing it. So now, when you look at Jonah, it's so easy to judge Jonah, right? You look at this picture and you're like, Crazy guy. Crazy guy. Tarshish, 2,500 miles. You know why? I'll do anything except for Nineveh. What is the Nineveh inside you? What is the Nineveh inside of you that God is saying, cry out against it? The wickedness in Nineveh has come up to me. And you're like, Tarshish really does look good right now. 2,500 miles away? This is not Nineveh. We hate Nineveh. We hate to, to touch Nineveh. And to, we just want it. Everything else is good. But just leave Nineveh alone. How many of you can identify with me what this Nineveh is? And again, Jonah is fleeing the presence of the Lord. And potentially, you and me are fleeing the presence of the Lord because I don't want to touch this part in my heart this friendship, this way that I'm making money, this whatever's going on in my life that, like, leave it alone, Lord. Like, just, just anything, just leave this part. I'm making a lot of money doing this. Just leave it alone. Your church has a, a new building project. I'd love to contribute to that, Lord. He's like, I don't need your money. Get rid of Nineveh. Saying, okay, get rid of Nineveh. There's going to be no money. I don't need your money. There's something in you that God is saying, cry out against your pride, your stubbornness in your marriage, your insisting that you are right in your home, maybe with your children or with your spouse or with whatever. You're insisting on it. God's saying, cry out against that monster. 
You're like, I can't because then my wife will know, like we've been fighting about this a lot and if I admit that I was a monster and then she's going to have the upper hand and then she's going to walk all over me in the marriage. No, just leave Nineveh the way it is. We all have these little things. We have these little Ninevehs that God wants us. So we go to Tarshish, the complete opposite direction. You see, what Jonah is doing is a big sin. What is your Nineveh? Why are you fleeing? Chances are you are fleeing because Jonah fled because God's will was different than his will. Let's continue reading. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Some commentators say he didn't just pay for one ticket. Like, you know, one ticket, please, Tarshish. No, he paid for the whole ship. Jonah made sure that he was going to be able to control this ship to make sure it doesn't go anywhere near Nineveh. It's only going to where? Tarshish. He paid the fare. and went down into it. When you read the story, really, there's just a bunch of sailors who are working on this ship while Jonah is, you're going to see later. But like, there's nobody else on the boat except for the sailors and Jonah. And Jonah paid the fare basically to make sure that this ship was going to be his. Be careful of this fare. What am I afraid of? What am I running away from through Christ? All right. Why doesn't want Jonah want to talk? Why doesn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? Part of it was he knew, and you'll see it later in the chapters, God was going to have mercy on Nineveh. Jonah knew the character of God. So he wasn't fleeing like, like the risk and the resistance. He knew that God, if the Ninevites responded, he knew that God was going to have mercy on Nineveh, and he didn't want to see that. He didn't want to see God make that change because he didn't want that part of Nineveh. He wanted to always look at them as evil people. We're going to get into that as we go through further. What do you need to give to God? What is the one thing that you need to give to God? The rich young ruler. He says, Lord, I've obeyed all your commandments. He says, one thing you lack. What is that one thing? Go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, take the cross, and you'll have treasures in heaven. He says, what? One thing you lack. What is your Nineveh? Can you identify? I want you to think for a second before we go any further. All right. You see also Jonah was concerned for his reputation among the Israelites. What are the Jews going to say that I'm going to Nineveh? No, 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 I can't go to to Nineveh. What are the people going to say? How many of you Have one more thing in your life that God wants you to give to Him. And the friends that you hang out with, they're not like that. They're not all for Christ. And so they're not going to appreciate that you give Nineveh to God. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's something in your life. Somebody you are actually giving allegiance to. You are giving your commitment to. Because what you're saying, 
I don't want to do what God wants. I want to do what the people of Israel want. They don't want me to go to Nineveh. Believe it or not, you have given your allegiance to someone or something. And they matter to you more than the will of God. Can you be honest with yourself? Do you believe that maybe I have my allegiance going towards somebody other than God? I, I vowed my commitment and my love and my energy and my time and my money to something other than God. And I don't want to give it to God. You are giving your allegiance to someone. Maybe it's some comfort. Maybe it's a sin. People will think I'm too extreme or imbalanced or unreasonable or not practical or I'm a traitor. I'm not loyal to them. I want you to think about all these people who say, what do you think, you're a saint now? Like you think, you think, who do you think you are? And so like, I don't want to be that person. So let me just stay as I am. The book of Acts talks about this concept in the sermon of Stephen where he talks about resisting God's spirit. He says, you are resisting the spirit of God. He says, when, when Stephen is speaking to the Jews, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. You see, when we resist the Holy Spirit, you want to know what happens? Is that your conscience starts to become numb. Now you don't care. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 2 says that your conscience will be seared as with an iron, meaning it just becomes numb. Your conscience doesn't feel anymore. How did I get here? How many of you started to realize that a sin in your life you don't feel or care about doesn't bother you anymore? Why? Because your conscience is seared. How? Because you've been resisting the Holy Spirit. You're outside the will of God. You're saying, really? It's that, like, it matters that much to God? Because God is saying, in this place that I've called you to is where I'm going to give you experiences, where you're going to discover power, where you're going to see my face, where you're going to know that my hand and how it works. And here I am, resisting. No, 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 I don't want to do that. Listen to this. Listen to this part. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo, cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captains came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea in the dry land. Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the sheep, the ship was about to be broken up. What are the warnings that God is giving you? Imagine you're on a boat, 
You know you are fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And we'll get to a part that is very, very funny. I'll, sh- I'll show it to you guys. You're going to be like, this is crazy. Here he is. God is sending a wind on the ship, on the, in the, on the sea, breaking the ship. Where is Jonah? Where's Jonah? So he wasn't like riding in like the Royal Caribbean cruise liner. Okay. I want you to imagine. This was not just like somebody is like in the spa on the cruise ship. Like he, he's like in this wooden ship that is being tossed. Have you guys ever been in any like murky water on a boat? Like where it's just a little bit wavy. Everybody is like throwing up over the ship. Not Jonah. Not Jonah. Lord is trying to break up things in your life. The Lord is going to break up things in your life because he loves you and he wants you in the will of God. So he's damaging the ship and he's sending the wind. You're like, why, Lord? Why all of this? He's saying, wake up. You fled the will of God. Look back. Maybe you've had a problem. You went through a very difficult time. Everything was wrong. And God is breaking up the ship. And the way we justify it, pay attention to this, it's your cross. God does this to the righteous. He also does it to the unrighteous as well. He also does it to the people that need a waking up. So he's tossing the ship and the ship is breaking. The ship is breaking. And the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God. Every man, these people don't believe in God. They don't believe in the God of heaven and earth. They believe in idols. And who are they doing? They're crying out to their God. The prophet in the bottom of the ship, the man of God that speaks to God face to face is sleeping. And these heathen are calling upon their gods. You're like, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you, Jonah? You see, this message is not for the sinners. This message is for the Jonahs in the church that are sleeping. These Mariners, these sailors, okay? They are crying out to their God. Look at this. They're throwing out the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. The cargo is what? Their food, maybe their gold, maybe their possessions, their clothes, everything that they have on this journey. They're throwing it over. They're saying, we need to save our lives. Isn't that an amazing repentance? They are saying, you know what? Who cares if we don't have food? Who ca- they are just making sure we don't want to die. Not Jonah. Jonah doesn't care. Do you see how the repentance, they're willing to throw the cargo off the ship? Are you willing to save your soul and throw the cargo off the ship? Gold, your food, how, I don't know how long we're going to be on the ship. Throw it all off. Get rid of all of the cargo. You're saying, well, let's think about this right now. I, I don't know if we should do that, right? Our stuff, our products, whatever it is that we're delivering, our clothes, are, like maybe we should, they're like, get rid of all the cargo. That's repentance. These sailors here are throwing everything off the ship. They're saying, like what St. Paul said, we consider all things rubbish. Everything that nothing would separate me from Christ for the excellence of the knowledge of Him. What cargo do you need to throw off? Your ship is sinking. Your ship is sinking, or it's being broken up. There's some cargo that you need to throw off. You're saying, ah, it's going to be hard. 
you may drown. It may save your soul. It may save your soul. Identify the cargo. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. What do you mean, sleeper? What do you mean, sleeper? How much does it take for us to heed the warnings of God? I want to ask you today, I introduced it by like the pandemic. Like we're talking about millions and millions of people who died, lost their jobs, businesses failed, worst times in many, many parts of the world, the whole world was suffering. You're like, I don't know, that's not enough. Are we like testing God? Are we testing God and saying, no, 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 a pandemic. No, we, we, let's try a world war. Let's try a world war. Maybe that'll work. You're like, thank God we're in the U.S. Not within borders. Okay, like, like, you, you, like you have these issues. You don't realize that you have, you're like, you're cold. How about a world war? That's not enough. Do I need like dragons to come out of the sky? Like what is going to make you repent? And these are the people inside the church. We're talking about the people in church. Forget the people outside on the street. I'm talking about if this won't wake up the people inside the church hearing preaching every day and they have their Bibles and they take communion and they do com- and still nothing. Wow. What do you mean, oh sleeper? What do you mean, sleeper? Yani, eh? What does that mean that you're sleeping? I want you to imagine the, these, these mariners, okay? They are sweating. They're carrying things. Their backs are broken. They're fearing. They're, they're crying. They're calling out to their gods. They're doing anything they could. And they go down and they're like, like, what is this guy doing? What is this guy doing? I wonder if the angels are looking. They're saying, what is this guy doing? Totally sleeping. Doesn't get it at all. All of these messages, the breaking of the ship, the wind on the sea, the, 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 the problems in their life, the loss of a job, the broken family, the loss of their children. I have people that they've lost so many things. They've lost their families from sin. They've lost their children. They've, lost their, they've done so many things. They've lost, lost everything. What do you mean, sleeper? What does it mean that you're sleeping? Sometimes I get youth. They're like, Abuna, we had like, we had drugs in our car and we got pulled over. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because I've been telling them to stop. They're like, man, I'm never going to do that again. One month confession. So we were like hanging out with our friends and we were smoking. You're like, oh, next time God's going to have the, the, the police look in the trunk. He's going to look under the seat. He's going to look in the glove, glove compartment. That didn't scare you. What does it need that we, for us to wake up? This is not warnings of doom by God. Be careful. You might be saying God is giving you warnings because his doom is coming. He's going to punish you. No, no, no. The warnings are because of what sin is going to do to you. It's the sin that's going to mess you up. It's not God. Sin is going to cause the ship to be broken. Be careful in our maybe distorted thinking. We think, oh yeah, God is the one that's going to punish them. It's not God. 
It's sin that's going to bring punishment to their life. It's not God. Be careful if you're out here blaming God in this story saying, oh yeah, God's breaking. There we go. There we go with God breaking ships and sending storms. And mm -mm. God is saying, please wake up because what sin is going to do to you is going to be much worse than this ship. Look at this passage here. This is not my favorite verse. This is the craziest verse in the whole Bible. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Listen to this. Jonah is buying the ticket to go to Tarshish. They say, sir, where are you going? Tarshish, what are you going there for? Are you going for business? Are you going? He says, oh yeah, I'm going to, I need a ride because I'm fleeing the presence of the Lord. Like he told them, I'm fleeing the presence of the Lord. Have you guys ever noticed this? The men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Where do you need a ride to? Anywhere but the presence of the Lord. Hey, Jonah. They, they knew it. They knew it. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. What does that mean? The second orange highlighted verse. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not. These men are going to die because of Jonah. They're about to die because of Jonah. They should have been like, all right, guys, everybody grab a limb. Hip, hip, you know, like Eve, get rid of the guy. They said, no, we don't want you to perish. We're going to row even harder to land. And Jonah, when he heard about Ninevites and the potential that God can save them, is he going closer to Nineveh to make sure that, hey, I want these people to be saved? Not Jonah. Jonah doesn't want them saved. These sailors don't want Jonah to die. So they're rowing hard to get to land. They're like, we're not going to throw you over. We want you to live. We want God to have mercy on you and us. So we're going to row even harder to the land. Not Jonah. Jonah's like, oh, I knew you were going to have mercy on the Ninevites. What's wrong with you, Jonah? Look at how much mercy they're having, but the church isn't. This is like a wake-up call now. Anybody have news anywhere on like your social media? Like, do you guys know what's going on other parts in the world? What's happening to those poor Palestinians being driven from place to place, like almost two million people homeless, and now they're being driven out of the only place that is left. And we're liking, putting the hearts on the Instagram, and we're sharing. That's great. But we have to be not sleeping. The mariners are throwing over cargo. They're rowing to land lest anybody would perish. Not the church. Where does God want the church? Where does God want Jonah? Where does he want you and me? He wants us there. He wants us with the, the, the homelessness on the street, the hungry, the naked, the rejected, the lost, the confused, the distorted. But we, the church, cannot be sleeping. No, 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 we don't need these people in the church. We don't need you in the church. We don't need you in the church. If you are the hindrance, if you are the hindrance for people to come inside the kingdom of God, Throw him over the boat. Throw him over the boat. That's Jonah. 
The man of God doesn't care. He's sleeping. I'm afraid today that the Christian church, it would be very, very dangerous if we were sleeping. There is a hurting world. There's people that need to know Christ. There's people that need to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. There's people that need love and healing and acceptance and, and inviting into the, to the kingdom of God. And we're what? Sleeping. Be careful. You don't want to be Jonah in the storm. The God is waking up the church. You want to know what happened earlier in the Old Testament? They had the Ark of the Covenant. The people of Israel had the Ark of the Covenant. They brought the Ark in the time of Samuel to war, thinking if we bring the Ark of the Covenant, we're going to win the war. What happened? They went. They lost the, the, the war. Thousands were killed, and the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. Oh my gosh. We lost the Ark of the Covenant? It was stolen from us? You just thought it was like a magic, like a, a thing that like you bring the Ark of the Covenant and it's magic and you're going to win the war. No. I'll go to communion. I'll take an Abuna. It's going to be the absolution. I'll take a sacrament. Everything will be fine. No. That's not how it works. The Ark of the Covenant was stolen and the people were killed. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. Now they're confused. They're saying, Don't like charge us with innocent blood. Like they're even justifying Jonah. Don't let us throw the guy over. Like he's innocent. Like what do we do? What great mercy. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So he picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. All right. I want to read this story by Father Matthew the Poor on repentance. Listen to this. It says, Hence, when saints perceived the honor pertaining to repentance and remorse. So the saints started to see that God was giving honor to people that repent and that feel guilty for their sin. Listen to this. An honor originally belonging to sinners, adulterers, and to the slothful. They snatched it for their own. I want to I make this clear right now. You have the saints, when they saw the sinners that were terrible, repenting, and the honor that God gave them, the sinner said, I'm going to make myself like I am the chief of sinners. We have a saint, his name is Abba Arsenios. Abba Arsenios used to cry tears to the point where he made rivets in his chest from his tears of repentance. You're like, Abba Arsenios mastered the gift of silence. You don't speak. You live in a cave and all you do is pray. And you're crying because he said, when I saw the honor that sinners were very, very sinful. Listen to this. Belonging to sinners, adulterers, and the slothful, or the lazy. It says the saints snatched it for their own and subdued themselves craftily. They, were, they brought their bodies into, into subjection. And shrewdly or wisely to the severe disciplines of repentance, as though they themselves were slothful, in such a manner that people thought repentance to be the work of saints. And contrition... That of the righteous. It's saying that the saints started 
acting like the worst sinners in their repentance, begging God for mercy, tears, doing prostrations and fasting, saying, Lord, when we saw the honor that you give to people that turn back, we ourselves need to turn back. Do you want that honor? Then be like the sinners if you are righteous. How the saints would act as if they were the worst people in the world so that they could approach God and be renewed and receive the honor of those that repented. May we have that spirit. Last thing. Are you Jonah fleeing from the presence of the Lord? Are you Jonah sleeping? Are you Jonah that has given your allegiance to something other than God? Are you Jonah that doesn't want to have mercy on people? Are you the Jonah that doesn't understand to have compassion on those that are lost? Be careful. Today is a message that we need to turn back to God. I need to repent. I need to turn my ways. I need to remove my cargo and come back and be right with God. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.